Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. Okay, I admit it. I get afraid sometimes. Life isn't exactly for the timid, but is my fear impacting my physical health, my relational abilities, and even the health of society in general? And how about my spiritual health? The Bible says that fear can cause men's hearts to fail. Sounds like we need help. So, Dr. Jennings, help. No, you're exactly right, and I think this is a great point for you to bring out. Fear, in my view, is an infection to God's creation. As soon as Adam and Eve sinned, they ran and hid because they were right. afraid. Yeah. Perfect love casts out all fear. So when we think about fear, fear breaks down the healthy bonds in physical health, relational health, societal health. Fear causes us to become more self-centered, more self-protective, more willing to hurt in order to protect self. So fear is very harmful across the landscape of reality. When you say fear, describe that for us. I mean, if I see a rattlesnake, I get fear. That's not a bad thing, right? So when you see a rattlesnake, you can have fear, and many of us do, but there are many people who are not afraid. They just have an understanding respect for knowledge of what that rattlesnake may or may not be able to do to you. Same thing with heights. Some people have fear of heights, but think about that for a minute. There are many people who have no fear of heights. Now, the people with no fear of heights does that mean, because they're not afraid of heights, that when they get near a cliff, they, they'll jump off? Ah, uh, okay, all right. No, they won't jump off, but <laughs> yes. they're not afraid. And right. in fact, yeah. those who are not afraid are less likely to fall when they have themselves in a position where they might be on a ledge of some sort. The fear actually causes one to be less capable of handling the circumstances. I give, I give an example to my patients on this. Um, you know what a balance beam is in gymnastics? Sure, yeah. Uh-huh. It's a four inches wide. Mm-hmm. Now, if I had a four inch wide beam sitting on the floor, so it's, it's just like six inches off the floor there, and I asked most people to walk across that beam, mm-hmm. most people could walk that four inch beam sitting on the floor. Sure. But if I took that same four inch beam and put it 100 feet in the air mm-hmm. and asked people to walk that beam, mm-hmm. most people couldn't do it. Why not? They, they demonstrated the physical ability to do it when it was on the floor. Their fear suddenly impairs their ability to function. And so that's what fear does. Fear undermines our healthy functioning in a variety of ways. Okay, so I'm understanding now that fear really is based on our thoughts that we're, I can't handle this. I don't know what to do here. Is that what you're saying? Many evolutionary biologists will say, well, fear is adaptive. It drives us to protect self. It protects us from the edge of the cliff and stuff. And I, and I, I counter that. Say, no, intelligence and understanding reality does. You don't have to be afraid of a cliff not to jump off of it. Okay. You don't have to be afraid of a rattlesnake not to put yourself in the position where you antagonize it so it bites you. Yeah. You can just have an understanding intelligence of reality. You don't have to be afraid of poisonous mushrooms not to eat them. You just have to understand how reality works. So I, I don't think fear is really that helpful. Then that's different than a startle response that just brings you to alertness so you can focus very quickly and make a quick decision. I see that startle alertness different than actual terror, fear, which tends to paralyze. And so we actually have the fear aspect that drives in our body uh, people who are chronically worried, chronically anxious, chronically fearful, fear of abandonment, fear of rejection, fear of loneliness, fear of being a failure, fear of what others think about them. That type of fear physiologically is harmful. It activates their stress circuitry, kicks up inflammatory cascades. People who have that 
that type of fear have more physical health problems, but they also have more relationship problems. They are distrustful of other people. They're suspicious. They interpret activities in ways that uh, lead to more accusations of others and, and feeling hurt, and, and therefore they become more defensive and attacking of other people and less gracious. And I think we've all seen this, haven't we? Sure, absolutely. Are you saying that there's also fear in the spiritual realm, too? Exactly. So think about fear is an inhibitor of growth in all domains. Mm-hmm. study done of children raised in Iraq in the green zones, that's the safe zones compared to the war zones, found that the children raised in the war zones were significantly and statistically shorter than those raised in the safe zones. Why is that? Because when we're significantly fearful, our blood is shunted out of our digestive organs and it alters our hormonal responses and we don't absorb nutrition as well and and we don't grow as physically well. So fear undermines physical growth. What about intellectual growth? Have you known people who had test anxiety or performance anxiety? And what happens is when they get up to do something, their fears start and they just freeze and they can't think and they can't answer the question. And so so we can't assimilate and process and think clearly when we have heightened amounts of fear. How about relational growth, fear-based relationships, fear of uh, rejection and abandonment and loneliness? Those relationships become controlling and manipulative and they always die. And then the spiritual piece. If we teach things about God, in which we are not in awe and admiration, the old King James English, where we have awe, admiration, and adoration, that's healthy. We have terror, dread. We're afraid that he'll hurt us. That undermines our ability to grow spiritually, shuts down thinking. On a previous show, Dr. Jennings, you labeled the fight and flight, survival of the fittest method of dealing with this world as something that originated with sin. Is it the same thing with fear? That is exactly where it originated. Wow. As soon as Adam and Eve sinned, they ran right. and hid because yeah. they were afraid. Yeah. Fear leads one to look to self, and self leads one to protect self. So after they were afraid, they hid and then began to make fig leaf garments, trying yes. to make up or resolve their own problem. Uh, Adam immediately throws Eve under the bus. It wasn't me. It was the woman <laughs> you gave me. Yes. And so you see this exact process happening as described in Scripture, and every human being on earth sees it happening in the world around them. Okay, so when... When we have fear, when we are feeling fear, what should be our relationship to that fear? How should we look at it? First off, identify the source of the fear. Many fears that people have are based on lies of some kind, mm-hmm. based on a misunderstanding. Here's a, here's a lie. I'm responsible for what other people think about me. Hmm. Hmm. No, you're not. You're responsible for the kind of person you are, the choices you make in governance of self, how you live your life. Look at Jesus Christ, lived his life perfectly. Some people called him the son of Satan or the son of Beelzebub. Uh, They had a distorted thoughts about him. He was not responsible for their perceptions and thoughts. He was responsible for the way he conducted himself. Many people live with this distorted belief about the responsible, or I'm responsible for someone else's happiness. That's a lie. No, you're not. You're responsible for how you treat other people, not whether they're happy. Okay, so if, if someone is unhappy with us, it's their response to us, not necessarily what we've done. Because like you say, Christ was one of the nicest people on earth, and people thought he was the son of the devil. So fear, then, is a self-generated response to a perceived problem. Am I right? 
Yes, the reason they have that is because they fear rejection. Okay. They fear abandonment. Okay. They fear not being loved. And so then they begin to worry about well, what do I need to do to get those people to like me, to get those people to love me, rather than actually focusing on being the healthiest, most kind, gracious, mature person they can be and leaving people free because they have the insecurity already in them, fear of abandonment, fear of loneliness, fear of not being loved, fear of not being good enough, that fear is something they already have. Their way of trying to deal with it is trying to manage the people around them by anticipating anticipating what they need to be for those people, but that's a spiral downward because you can never be all things for all people. <laughs> that, that is hard work to be fearful. I mean, you have to work at that. Whereas if you just concentrate on who you are, how you act, what you say, that's easier. So I'm saying that what you're saying, using the love that God put in us, is actually easier than using the fear the devil put in us. Am I right? Well, you know what you just said, the love that God put in us. The problem is, see, we're born in sin, conceived in iniquity. Right, Children come right, to the world right. infected with fear. Right, now, right. depending on how they're raised in childhood, the goal of healthy parenting is to exactly what you say, be conduits of love, yeah. to pour love into the children's hearts. Yes. However, in this world in which we live, many children experience just the opposite. They experience not love, they experience condemnation, criticism, conditional love. If you do this, then you're good enough, which only sends the message, I'm not good enough, yeah, which incites yeah. fear. Yeah. or actual overt abuse or trauma of some kind, which only inflames the fear. And so uh, you're exactly right. We need the love poured into our hearts, but where is the love being poured in? Are we having people in our life that show us and, and treat us with this love, or are we having people that only inflame the fears because they mistreat us? Ah, so you're saying we're kind of like sponges, that we become what we absorb. Am I right in saying that? To a certain degree, that is exactly correct, especially as, as children. Children come into the world as blank slates. They don't know anything. They don't have a language. Right. They don't know left, right, up, down, or anything. And so they're absorbing from their environment around them, not only the language they speak, but the way they see themselves, the way they see the world around them, how they understand reality works. And if they're in unhealthy homes, they internalize many unhealthy ideas and constructs before they can even speak languages, which will either in flame fear and insecurity or help them experience love and peace. Can we successfully, Dr. Tim Jennings, can we successfully, who have lived in fear and who have filled our lives with fear and we have absorbed fear, can we successfully turn that around? And if so, how? Only with some source of love to identify with and partake of. And that love can come from another person who is a conduit of godly love into our lives. It can come from relation with God himself. But ultimately, without love, love is the only power that can free us from this control of fear. Let me give you a quick example. Yeah. You're crossing the street, you step into the crosswalk, you look up, and a truck is about to hit you. What emotion do you experience? Obviously, fear. Yeah. Now you're out with your firstborn child, three-year-old son. You get distracted. You look up, your three-year-old's in the crosswalk, and a truck is bearing down. There's just enough time. If you act right now, you can shove them out of the way. But if you do, you're going to get hit by a truck. What do you do? You shove them out you, of the way and get hit by a truck. When you see your child hit the grass on the other side and you now know your child is safe, what are you experiencing? Joy. <laughs> Joy. But you're getting, in both circumstances, you're getting hit by a truck. Wow. In the first, there is only fear. In the second, your love has cast out your fear. Oh, there's a Bible text on that, Dr. Jennings. Right, and neurobiologically, we know this is true. When the love circuits fired, the love for your child fired, it actually shut down your fear circuits. Neurobiologically, that's how we're wired. So love is really the only power that can free us from this self-referenced fear all the time. And so somewhere in our world, if we're really going to be free from the domination of fear, we have to come to a place where we have experienced being loved and we act on and love others. 
I'm kind of thinking that it's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to find those conduits because they're not going to find us. Would I be right in saying that? It depends on the age. Yeah. It's not yeah. the child's responsibility no, to find no. it. Yeah. But as adults, if we are surrounding ourselves with fearful people, we're not going to change. But if we surround ourselves with loving people, and hopefully we know where to find loving people, we will be able to change ourselves. Am I right? To a certain degree, many people have found themselves, say, in churches or places where they're mature, loving people, but they still don't seem to grow because they have been so deeply embedded in lies that when other people do pour love unto them, inside their head they go, yeah, but you wouldn't love me if you really knew me, because they live behind a mask, a facade that they've always put up because they're so fearful if people knew them, they really wouldn't love them. So even when they do experience love, many people deny it because of the deeply embedded distortions they've held about themselves. And how do we get over that? How do we stop denying love? I like that. That's where the other, so the spirit of truth. So if you look at the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth and love, and it requires both truth coming to destroy the lies and the experience of love in order for people to really heal the inner person. We keep getting back to Jesus. We keep coming back here. We seem to be swimming out here in this world of fear and uncertainty and survival of the fittest and fight and flight. But it just seems like we need to keep turning ourselves back to Jesus. And I think that's the message you're trying to tell us today. That's exactly right. The Jesus that we find truly in Scripture. Yes. Uh, not, not the Jesus that perhaps sometimes we find in religions. Mm. We're going to have to do a show on that statement, <laughs> Dr. Jennings. That is an amazing statement right there. Jesus is there. Jesus, the loving Jesus, the kind, the giving, the forgiving, the neither do I condemn you, Jesus. He's there. He's there. But there has been a distorted view of God throughout the Bible even. Am I right in saying that? throughout the Bible and throughout history, you know, where they burn people at the stake in the yeah, name of Jesus. Yeah. There was the KKK people who would go burn crosses in people's yards, mm. supposedly, in the name of Jesus. Many ugly things have been represented in Jesus' name, but they don't represent Jesus. And so, because of that, though, many people have got a distorted view of who Jesus is. We come back to the true Jesus, so that's healing. All right, very good. That is our marching orders for today. Listener, you and I will start looking for that true Jesus, that Jesus built on love and forgiveness, the one that we do not have to fear. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing these words of wisdom. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. <music>